Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Chris with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Tyler Smith, and he is with Solarius a consensus formation. Welcome, Tyler. How's it going today? Great, Chris. I'm really excited to be on the podcast with you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for being here. So, Tyler, give us a bit of, about your background in the blockchain space and your experiences. Well, I mean, so the, the blockchain has been a tremendous journey for me, as I think it is for many people that are coming into the space. You know, nobody has a degree in, well, maybe a few people now, um, have a degree in blockchain. But for a lot of us who, who've been in the space for a while now, we come from other places. And this journey has it started for me in 2012. And uh, it's, you know, I've been going down the rabbit hole ever since. And, and I, I really feel like every day I'm learning and enjoying the space even more. So I'll just give you a little bit about, you know, where I come from and kind of a little bit about the journey that I've been on. And feel free to ask me questions as we go along. Yeah, definitely. So I have a PhD in geophysics from Rice University, and I studied Antarctica. And I have I published papers on the Antarctic ice sheet, and some of those have become seminal papers for climate change. And I left the academic realm and and worked at an oil company, uh, BHP Billiton, for ten years. Eight of those years, I was finding oil and gas all around the world, and I learned of Bitcoin in 2012 and just became fascinated with it. 
this amazing experiment. And at the time, you know, in 2012, if you were to mention Bitcoin in polite conversation, immediately you would get these looks of like, I don't know whether you're a criminal, a drug dealer, uh, an extremist. So it was really difficult back then. And, and people take for granted how far we've come now in 2018. So I was spending my nights and weekends basically reading as much as I could on Bitcoin talk forum and, uh, and later other things like Reddit. But I was reading white papers and I, I really was kind of isolated. I didn't have anyone to talk to. Eventually, though, I, I felt like I had to do something, but I was in a very promising and, and, and lucrative career and I didn't know what to do. So I, I formed a hobbyist project that was called Free My Vunk. And this is about the time where Ethereum is really starting to um, become interesting. I was with the Ethereum project from the very beginning on the forums and such, but I'm not a programmer, so I, di I didn't really get to participate at that level. But by the time we're getting close to DevCon 1 and the Ethereum community is really starting to form, you know, we now have the mainnet release uh, for the Frontier release, and, and we all go to London, and I present on this hobbyist project called Free My Vunk, and that's a Vunk with a V. And anyone who's been in the space for a really long time might have heard of that project. It was all about taking video game assets and putting them as tokens on the blockchain and allowing them to move between games, to act as in-game currency, in-game items, and essentially try to visualize a metaverse that was run by the blockchain in its ownership. And this idea really caught hold inside the community. And you know, if you fast forward to today, there's now you know, tens of projects working in that exact space, some of which have done ICOs and generated an enormous amount of money uh, in order to pursue those projects. Uh, I have my favorites. Uh, I don't know if I should mention them, but uh, Free My Vunk, is, is no longer actively being developed. Uh, I had to make a choice for this next stage of my journey where I, I went in and I started pitching the idea of the blockchain to BHP. And the way I went about it is I said, I believe the blockchain could fundamentally change the way supply chains work in the commodities industry. And it took me a while. It took me several months to develop the right business approach. I, I, I went to my mentors and I said, I want, I want to pitch this. And they said, well, it's not in a state where you could do it right now. So you need to build a better business case. And so that's what I worked on for six months, kind of in my off time. And finally, I, I felt like it was in a place. I presented it to some of the upper management within my company and well, my former company, and, and they loved it. And they said, wow, this is a really unique idea. I wonder if we have any extra budget money we could give you to to build it and and we did we we found um plenty of money actually people were willing to throw quite a bit of money at it and we hired consensus to build what became project raystones which is a supply chain a, a production grade supply chain within uh bhp petroleum to track samples and, and people can go on youtube and watch the presentations on free my Vunk and later a presentation from DevCon 2 where I presented the BHP solution that we built. And so, you know, if you if you think back to that time, you know, we're we're in 2015 now. A lot's happened, but we're still got a long way to go. 
for acceptance of blockchain. And, you know, BHP invests in this production-grade application. It got worldwide attention, published in Bloomberg and, and various other uh, media articles around the world about this big mining giant investing in blockchain to track its supply chain function. And, and we take for granted now that supply chain is an excellent fit for blockchain. Because back in 2015, you know, we didn't know this. This was experimental. And, and we, during that year, we had all the examples of Walmart and, and Maersk you know, coming out, working with IBM to build these blockchains. And BHP is right during that time. Unfortunately, like many relationships with big companies, they move slower than the individual innovators want to. You know, I was trying to push them into very aggressive innovation. And, and within a co big company like that, they're, they're naturally conservative. And so I found myself frustrated. And that's when uh, I made the move consensus. Uh, Joe Lubin was gracious enough to, to call me and say, you know, you've always had a place with us. Come over and, and, and join us as the, um, the head of our energy consulting business and just continue doing what you're doing right now. And so I did. And, and for, the, for the year after that, I worked at Consensus as the director of energy and was working with all of the major oil companies, mining companies, uh, utility companies. And, and we had great penetration. Uh, the biggest oil companies in the world are, are now building and, and, and doing things in blockchain. Many of, many of the things most people don't have access to or, or hear about, but I can tell you that they're happening behind the scenes. And, and blockchain is going to play a major role within the commodities industry. After a year as the director of energy at Consensus, um, I went to Joe and, and told him about uh, a project that a few of us uh, close friends at Consensus, um, Mark D'Agostino and Igor Lilich, who both ran the, the, they were the ones that started the consulting arm of the consensus mesh. And we got together and we said, we, we really want to do this really innovative new project, but we're going to need time away from our day jobs to build it. And that was, that was what became Solarius, which is something I hope to talk about more today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's get into Solarius and what it does and how it's, how it's helping people. Yeah, so Solarius is, let me set the stage for it, because blockchain has now established itself as being a wonderful new tool as a distributed ledger to track things that need to be transparent or immutable, and it effectively disrupts and disintermediates these third-party middlemen who are basically sucking some of the the profits out of out of a system. And and this is being applied to all sorts of industries. But one of the industries where we're not seeing a, a tremendous amount of uptake yet, and I say yet, because all the value seeing all the value that we're seeing in financials, supply chains, identity, uh, all these different things that are starting to really come to the front of of blockchain experimentation and blockchain production. Uh, all those same, all that same value exists with this, within this new industry, and it's all. And we call this industry transmedia. So what is transmedia? transmedia. Yeah, transmedia. So not something that everyone is familiar with, but you are very familiar players in the space. I mean, just name a few of them: Disney, Marvel Studios, MGM. These are big media conglomerates that create movies, 
They public they publish graphic novels, comic books, video games, etc. So what it, so, what exactly is Transmedia? It's you, so, you mentioned the companies. What what does Transmedia do? So Transmedia is the idea that you create a story and you tell the story across multiple different types of media. And as consumers, we love to see our stories integrated into different experiences that we can interact with, whether we're reading a book, um, playing a game, or watching a movie. And so these companies have created stories that interact with us on multiple levels and in different forms. And so Solarius is an attempt to decentralize the model that's used to tell stories. And how does it do that? Yeah, so let me give the example. You know, we didn't always have these big monolithic media conglomerates like we do today. It, it, in essence, it almost seems like a product of capitalism that we, we produce the capitalism, I would say, com, you know, combined with uh, intellectual property law. But in the, you know, if you step way, way back millennia, stories were created in a decentralized fashion. We call those mythology, Greek mythology, Nordic mythology, um, Indochinan mythology. These all were created by various actors that began telling stories amongst the public. And the stories that resonated with communities were told more often until finally you begin, you begin to have this canonical story that emerges that we all accept now in the future as the mythologies of those areas. Yeah, so we definitely have uh, some some big players in that, especially with uh, some you know the Disney acquisitions that we've seen over the last couple of years. So yeah, so what? If yeah, you, go ahead. Go ahead. What is uh, how is Solarius involved in the decentralization process of of all this? Yeah, so there's a couple pieces here um, that you kind of have to fill in so that you can visualize how blockchain now plays a role in this decentralized storytelling. But if you make the jump now to say, okay, stories used to be told this way, and we've changed the model, and now effectively our modern day mythology, which you can think of as like the superheroes of Marvel or the Jedis of Star Wars, our modern day mythologies are monopolized by centralized companies. Because I, as an individual, I'm not allowed to write a story about Luke Skywalker and publish it. That's not okay. Even though Luke Skywalker, I feel like Luke Skywalker is as much about my, my fantasies and my imagination as it is you know, Disney, but Disney purchased the right to Star Wars, and therefore, I can't commercialize a story that I build about that that mythology. So, at, at Solarius, what we're doing is we're creating a new type of media company, and we want to tell the story of Solarius, which is a brand new intellectual property. That means we're not borrowing or stealing some of the content from other uh, other stories. We're building a brand new story. And what we're saying is we want this to be a community effort. We want to collectively tell this story. And so we're going to allow our community to take and remix and retake and republish stories in a way that will allow the best stories to rise to the top. And the way we use the blockchain 
is that we allow the community to vote on which content should become the canonical storyline. So when I say story, I mean this includes art, literature, movies, cosplay, video games, board games, and that's the transmedia aspect of the story. Is there a specific story that we're trying to tell, or is it general? Um, give, give us some insight into that. Yeah, so when we started along this path, we were a little bit idealistic, I think, in that we wanted the, the community to just create all the content and all the story, and we didn't want to necessarily like, put too much influence. But what we realized very quickly is that content creators and the community at large, they wanted more structure in order to interact and start to develop the story. And so we built what's called the Universe Guide, the Solarius Universe Guide. And you can go to our website at www.solarius.network, and you can go and download the Universe Guide, which gives you all of the architecture of the universe, but it doesn't answer any of the questions of the storyline. And we're leaving that up to you, the community, to create for yourselves now, we will help this along by creating some foundational content, but even our content will not immediately become canon. That must be decided upon by the community, whether they love it or they don't. And so we, we envision a space where we're going to see many storylines that diverge, converge, and do all sorts of interesting and fun things um, as we explore this new universe together. And, and I guess... The next thing is probably to talk about, like, what, what is this universe about? Definitely. So Let's get into hilarious. that. Yeah, so one of the things that um, we've tested for a few months now is we've been testing, does this universe kind of connect with, with an audience? And does it, does it feel interesting and, and compelling for content creators to come in and sink their teeth into? What we recently did was uh, we, we had – an event called CellCon Zero in Nashville, Tennessee, where we brought uh, a dozen of closest content creators that we've been working with. And these are really, really talented people. These are people that have worked on all the major franchises, whether it be Spider-Man or Star Wars or um, you know, any, any major uh, media release that you've heard of. Like, for instance, um, one of the illustrators had just worked off on Black Panther, and she was actually showcasing some of the art. Um, after the movie had been released, she kind of showed some of a little bit of the things that she could uh, that, that she could from the movie that she had helped work on. And we brought this, these dozen content creators that I would call storytellers to Nashville, and we, we allowed them to read through the universe guide and to build stories that they wanted to tell. And I have to tell you, it was incredible. We had four teams working over the weekend, and they produced some of the most interesting and compelling stories I have ever heard. And I can't wait for them to continue to build these stories out and share them with the community because they're, they're amazing. They're not the, the same standard bread and butter things that you're seeing come out of Hollywood, which are you know risk-averse. These are... These are daring stories and, and ones that I think really uh, the society as a whole is hungry for. And so one of, the, one of the first validations we've had is around the content of this universe. So let me just set you know, the very basic premise. 
Stellarius is about the emergence of a super artificial intelligence. Now, coincidentally, the name of the super artificial intelligence is called Solarius. And um, so the, the universe, the first block of the universe that the universe guide addresses is 75 years before and after this event of the emergence of this super AI, at, which happens in, in 2084. And so uh, within the universe guide, you can learn about what is the world like up until this event and then how does it change after this event where the AI effectively takes control of many of the world's systems and begins its, its major push into space? Interesting. So let's, how does this, 75 years before, are the, are the content creators creating stories after that 75 years, or where are they aiming their focus? We don't really put too much pressure on, on the timeline. What we say is, here's a structure that you can play within. You're welcome to write stories at any point into the future, but if you want to have that content included into core canon, um, which is what we call the canonical storyline, then you probably want to play within the structure that exists. Because the farther you extend yourself into the future, for instance, you know, if you try to write about 3,000 years in the future, you may not get universal agreement from the community in order to get your content voted into canon. Or if you're, if you're really aggressive, go for it. And we believe that some people will try to push those limits and it will actually guide uh, a greater you know, extension of the universe guide where we actually look at how the story evolves beyond that. But this gives us a really interesting place to start asking questions and debating and discussing how technology is going to change our lives into the future, which I think is really lacking right now from the, the modern stories. A lot of times they're very mystical and they're not very based in how is technology going to change our many Much of the way, like we're not understanding how blockchain is changing our culture. And so these stories are to help with that. Very good. So you mentioned the, uh, the convention in Nashville. Where are you in the roadmap for Solarius? So right now we are uh, accepting applications for our alpha. We're very early stages. We've defined kind of what the universe is about. We've outlaid some roadmap in our white paper about where we want to go. But the first community members are applying right now. And we're going to accept about 500 people into our alpha. And they're going to be, you know, the people who suffer through many bugs and many uh, you know, patient moments with us as we work out the technicalities of our platform, like how does someone submit content and get attribution? How do we do metadata tags? Um, how do we do voting? You know, we're exploring many different models of how voting should work, where we try to create the proper incentives to all stakeholders so that it can work in a decentralized fashion. So the alpha members are really going to help you know, lay the foundation for us. And then um, that's going to extend uh, through much of 2018. But by 2019, we hope to enter into a beta. And the beta is where we actually start to vote things into core canon. And we, we begin um, investigating some of the more interesting incentive models for content creators, things like digital collectibles. I'm not sure whether you're, um, do you think your audience would be familiar with CryptoKitties? Yes, of course. Okay, 
So, you know, CryptoKitties, it's amazing because we were thinking about how would we create incentive models uh, that would enable artists to receive funds from their fan groups to do what they do full time. And lo and behold, as we're discussing these models, we have the miracle of CryptoKitties that happens and essentially validates the model completely that people would be willing to collect digital representations of cats. Uh, so how much more value is there to a deep and profound storyline that you connect with versus, and don't get me wrong, I love CryptoKitties. I love those guys, and I own CryptoKitties myself. But how much more real and tangible would it be to you if you could own a digital collectible, say something like the Millennium Falcon? And maybe somebody gets so excited about it that they, that they create a 3D representation in a virtual experience where those who hold Millennium Falcon tokens can take tours of the Millennium Falcon inside their virtual reality experience. Or maybe you can go and meet the artist or writer that created this thing that you love because you hold their token or you can engage with them in some way that is not possible right now because you can identify yourself as a supporter, as a patron of what they're trying to create. And this is the type of thing that we're trying to explore during the alpha and beta stages where we can create the right incentive models that the community can be self-sustaining. Oh, very good. And so that's, that's in 2019. What do, you, what do you see as like the major impact maybe five years down the road of Solarius? Oh, so... Five years is, is an incredible amount of time in, in crypto. Um, you know, most people say, you know, a year in crypto is like seven years, like a dog year. Um, so five years down the line, you know, we have goals, very big goals um, of being in mainstream media to the extent where people are engaging with the type of quality that they would expect at a major movie release or you know, an acclaimed best-selling best novel. We, we, we really think that this story has the legs to support some truly spectacular content and amazing new storylines that, that aren't being told today. Um, and then this is, this is a, we're building a model and we're doing it for sci-fi and cyberpunk themes, genres. But once the model exists, there's really nothing stopping it from being applied to all sorts of other very um, beloved genres. What we're really trying to create is a new way of thinking about how we tell stories and how we incentivize the storytellers, the creatives of our world, and give them the tools to connect directly with their fans rather than imposing the third party, such as these monolithic media organizations, that siphon off all the profit. Because I can tell you that the people I'm meeting, they're not multi-multi-millionaires, even though they've created franchises that have that are valued in the billions. Mm. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting consideration, uh, especially those of us that are out there, you know, consuming movies or other similar media. We don't, you know, we don't stay till the end to watch the credits unless there's a, you know, a, post credit tag scene and we don't pay attention to the folks that are actually putting their time into making the movie other than headliners. So, um, yeah, that's a definitely interesting thought. These are the heroes, the unsung heroes of today's mythology. And we're trying to give them a place 
where they will have the freedom and the monetization to practice their art in a way that will, I think, completely revolutionize how, you know, our, our mythology. And it's really exciting. Yeah, agreed. So where can people find out more about Solarius and Consensus and how those two are working together? Yeah, so Soler- so Consensus, um, you know, anyone who's investigated the blockchain space in detail will have heard of Consensus. Consensus is uh, has quite a few, um, you know, major fundamental uh, pillars to it. It does a lot of different things. Where, consen- where Solarius fits is we are one of the incubating spoke projects within Consensus. You can learn more about Consensus at uh, consensus.net. And remember to spell Consensus uh, with a Y at the end rather than a U. And if you want to learn more about Solarius and sign up for our alpha, please go to www.solarius, that's C-E-L-L-A-R-I-U-S, Dot network where you can read, you can download and read the universe guide, our white paper, our community guidelines. You can actually watch a couple of the trailers that we've released, that we've created animated trailers based on our universe, and uh, you can sign up for our alpha. Excellent. And Tyler, where can people find out more about you? So uh, I'm on, you know, the normal uh, social media websites. Uh, on Reddit, you can see me as R. Tyler Smith. On Twitter, I am R underscore Tyler underscore Smith. Uh, you can find me also on LinkedIn, and you'll see me pop up from time to time in various Slacks or uh, other places. I'm not really uh, a super visible figure. I'm more of a – have you heard of the new meme called Biddle? Rather than build, like we used to say hodl, I'm a biddler. I, I love to build things and then let my work flourish and grow. I'm not so much of a spotlight man. Fair enough. Makes a lot of sense. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today, Tyler? Uh, just thank you so much for allowing me to come on the podcast. I really hope that people uh, can engage with what we're doing at Solarius. I want to tell everyone that in these early days, now is the time to get involved with us because it will set the stage and you will be the foundation for something that's going to be truly spectacular in the future. How many times can someone say that they were part of Star Wars before the movie was made or before the books were written? Um, And I can tell everyone categorically that what happened to Star Wars won't happen to Solarius. We're not going to have vast majority of books, comic books, and everything that's ever been created be thrown out of canon because some big company decided to buy the IP. And that's what we're really trying to protect against, is let the community own the stories themselves, and let's create something beautiful that isn't co-opted by capitalism. So thanks again for letting me to come on. Yeah, definitely. Tyler Smith with Solarius, a consensus formation. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, 
and the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first. In their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.